Hi there, I'm Sinead, Associate Director for Communications at Imagine Insights. And today on our Imagine This podcast, I'm joined by a very special guest and good friend of Imagine Insights, Mercy Abel. Mercy is a communities manager at the creative agency John Doe, shortlisted for the IPAI list 2022 and awarded as the 2022 Brim Changemaker. Mercy is passionate about positively highlighting black talent and stories through founded platforms, Into a Black Mind and Strong Black Woman. She also helps improve knowledge exchange by having intergenerational conversations between Gen Z and senior leaders on her careers podcast, Audacity of We, whereby our co-founders, Kat Agostino and Jay Richards, have also been. Welcome to our podcast, Imagine This, the podcast for all things Gen Z. Want to know more about Gen Z? Then join us for our monthly podcast where we'll discuss what matters to Gen Z, how they think, and the incredible impact they are having on our society. Before we get started, I just want to let you know that we pay our Gen Z community for every single insight they provide to a brand. To pay more Gen Z and to be the best at what we do, we would really love this podcast to grow, and it's very easy for you to help. If you're listening to us via the Apple or Spotify podcast apps, then just simply press subscribe or follow. That's it. You've helped us massively with that one simple action. Thank you so much for helping us to pay more Gen Z. Now that's enough from me. Firstly, welcome to our Imagine This podcast, Mercy. How are you today and how is everything going? I am good. Thanks for having me, Sinead. I'm really excited to be on this and I loved having Kat and Jay on Audacity of We. I think that was one of the first episodes I recorded and I was like, oh my gosh, like everyone else has such a big level to like reach up to. But I'm really good and it's just, taking it day by day and everything I think starting off 2023 pretty strong I loved listening to the way that you did um my bio I was like oh it does sound pretty good so I like that um but yeah no just doing really well and taking it as it comes we're really we're really taking the first quarter of this year as best as we can I love to hear it and also you should love having your bio read to you like how great is that and it's really impressive do some more do some more I want to hear more (laughs) I'm here for this energy we're going to bring today. I'm excited. I'm here for it. (laughs) Um, So today we're going to be discussing the topic of black culture versus new slang, which is often deemed as part of new Gen Z terms and language. So what we're going to do is we're going to delve into some of the complexities around the language that we're using in today's society and just some things to be aware of in terms of where they may originated from. So to kick off, Mercy, just to give a bit of a broader context, in your opinion, what does black culture entail and what do you feel it means to you personally? Yeah, so I mean, for perspective, I would classify myself as a Black East African Gen Z woman, and I'm also um, based up in Scotland. So I've got a lot of intersections going on there, but I think it's really important that I am like one of many, 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 many perspectives, and that is mine. But I do think, in terms of Black culture, it's everything and so many things. Um, it's just not one thing. Like that's the absolute through line for me. Um, but I really think what makes Black culture is its communities and I say communities as in plural 
And it's who they are as individuals, but also as a collective. So it's individuals that make up the communities. I think it's really, when we say Black culture, I always just kind of switch out culture for people just to remind everyone and myself that culture is made by people. Um, and it's who these are the people who make up the culture from what we wear to what we eat to how we show up. And especially, I can't lie, when it comes to Black culture, how we have a good time. Like, I think we're just bare laughs, excitement, lots of good times mm-hmm. and yeah I guess it's the entirety of black culture is really down to the people who then create the culture. Brilliantly put and I love repositioning around culture being around people because that's what it is yeah Um. so I guess the next question kind of follows on from that and it's a bit more about the direct influences black people on many things that they've had in society today. So how do you feel that black culture and black people have influenced society in terms of music, food, fashion, but specifically language? Yeah, so I think if I'm very honest, I do believe like black people have revolutionized pretty much every industry we've touched. Um, I think especially given the history when it comes to different black communities and diaspora I would say that we've changed the game when it comes to sports you can think of Serena Williams in tennis and even Tiger Woods um, in golf also changing the game in music with Beyonce recently having the most Grammy wins just this year and I guess it's all just inventions like it's actually quite wild if you think about where a lot of inventions came from and a lot of the time there's a black person behind it from the traffic light system to even the folding chair so i think specifically when it comes to language and this is something i'm quite passionate about is that language gets co-opted a lot and especially when it comes from black communities and um it gets you know taken in and everyone has a good kiki with it have a good time with it and then when people are done with it it gets discarded which is when it just comes a bit troubling and Mm -hmm. I mean I think it's there's a version of it which it is great where you know black culture and especially when it comes to language it gets it it gets the 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 joy it deserves because it's funny Mm -hmm. and it's a great time but it needs Mm -hmm. to also make sure it prioritizes the voices it comes from Mm -hmm. yeah really interesting um viewpoint on that and I think actually so important in terms of just an awareness thing it's like if you're going to enjoy that understand a little bit more when you can about where that may be originated from I really love the fact that you spoke about um Serena Williams um I actually last summer I think saw King Richard for the first time oh yeah um Brilliant film. I was completely obsessed. I really loved the storytelling in it. Um, so yeah, just love the sports references and across music as well because just the impact is so vast and always needs to be acknowledged. Mm. So just thinking about that, in terms of this acknowledgement piece and almost like a we won't say education, but awareness. Do you think, and you can be as honest as you want, um, are there misconceptions that you see around language deemed as Gen Z specifically versus semantics, which have in fact grown from black culture and black people originally? Oh, 100%. (laughs) Like, 100%. I mean, let's be real. I honestly think if something funny is said or dare I say becomes a trend, like a TikTok sound, Mm -hmm. for example, it's more than likely you trace it back to a Black creator. It really is. Um, I also saw this thing last year where it was an agency 
that brought out a list of Gen Z terms. And I say that in inverted quotes. And mm-hmm. most, if not all of them, came from AAVE, which is African American Vernacular English. And mm-hmm. it's just that thing where it's like, now let's be serious. This is not Gen Z language. This is not Gen Z speak. This is not TikTok language. This comes mm-hmm. from somewhere. This comes from a culture. This comes from a community. And we might as well just say it as it is. Because I just mm-hmm. think you cannot say something is Gen Z speak or Gen Z language when that doesn't even split up the demographic of Gen Z. Like there's so many intersections and I know Imagine Insights does, you know, say this a lot. There's so many intersections within a demographic and age demographic. So why mm-hmm. aren't we also talking about that? And it goes into its fu- further cultural backgrounds, especially when it comes to ethnicity and race. So I would mm-hmm. say like at this point, I can't really call them misconceptions. I would arguably say it's down to a version of laziness, but also just lack of aware- of awareness. You know, if you're not in the position where you you necessarily need to be aware or don't feel the need to be aware, that's on yourself to decide on how you navigate that. But it, the information is out there just to find the origins of a word or a phrase, to look back and find the creator, to find where it came from. The search engines online are multiplying, you know, TikTok's become one, Google is the veteran of them all. And I just really think that, you know, if people just put a little bit of time and being like, oh my gosh, that's so funny, who said it? It would just make Mm. lives a lot, lot easier as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree and really hear you there. And I also think um, in terms of that, you know, doing your work, like having a look on Google, having a look through TikTok, like kind of really taking the time to investigate where what you really are engaging with and something that's brightened your day a bit originally came from. Also, I just have to mention, thank you very much for the plug on our different demographic subsets. Appreciate you so much. Yes, of course. <laughs> I have to. Like that is the thing for me. I'm also I just feel like we always just gotta look deeper. You know, the intersections are really intersecting. We really need to see what they are and then have a conversation from there. Totally. And actually I think what is done quite often by brands, by agencies, by the general public, um, in the creative spaces, in other industries, is demographics are just grouped together. We say Gen Z, they do this, they do that, they are, they, and actually within that, there are so many other communities, so many other breakdowns, so many other backgrounds. And actually, it's important to recognize and acknowledge that within those subsets there'll be themes there'll be trends there'll be ways people respond to things ways people don't like we're all human right and we're all really different kind of the beauty of it um but I think it's very easy to get caught up in a in a world where we kind of just blanket everyone with the same views and um, thought processes because they are in the same demographic right and that's really not how it works yeah (laughs) and then there's no depth to the story like if all Gen Z did whatever, then I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have several of the other problems that we are all facing as Gen Z. So it's like, that's not the depth of the story. And if you want to do surface level, then, you know, we'll see how far that takes you. <laughs> totally agree. Um, So like some people will have grown up around black communities and others will just genuinely love black culture in general. With this in mind, and you've kind of touched on it in terms of the upskilling and educating one another, how do you think people can be more aware and adaptive of their language use? Is it the research piece? 
Is it the taking the time to step back when you're, you know, using a quote that you've seen trending or a, a phrase and just being a bit more aware of your use of it? Or are there other ways that people can sort of adapt their language use? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all very dependent. I think if, if from a consuming standpoint, like we all consume mm-hmm. content. Like I think it is good to consume very many different types of content, contents that are from your culture, contents that are content that is out with your culture. I think it's good to consume mm-hmm. all of that. I think where it becomes real shaky and um, dangerous territory, dare I say, is when mm-hmm. profitability comes into play and where mm-hmm. exposure comes into play. So if you are therefore co-opting language that doesn't necessarily come from your culture, yet you are benefiting from everything that comes from that and not acknowledging where it comes from, that's where the that's where the shaky area comes from and that's where a lot of discomfort comes from and that's where culture cultural appropriation comes from so when it comes to language yes 100% like consume the content enjoy it have a good have a good time but I think when it does come to being able to benefit from that and almost erasing where it comes from is when you need to have these conversations with yourself and question yourself of being like who is this benefiting and should it benefit the person is benefiting so if that's yourself and you're out with that culture let your moral compass do the work after that like it's just I really think that people should just think a little bit further and you have to make that decision based on how you feel and what is right Mm -hmm. and I guess from my perspective I would say it's about not just passively consuming content but also questioning it a little bit oh yeah um I think really easy to get caught up in reading you know clickbait headlines or things that have been said but actually like rather than just you know taking that as face value and I am going to blanket term Gen Z but from the Gen Z that we work with they are really invested in knowing more than what is seen at the forefront right so like the wonderful community that we work with um the young people we're speaking to day in day out they do want to ask questions and they do want to delve to the bottom of things and get a real understanding Mm. and I think from my point of view I would say it's about just asking those questions in an appropriate way of course but to make sure that you are that you have as much knowledge as you can possibly have about what you're engaging with in terms of content Oh, 100%. And honestly, like, I think we can all, or I would hope a lot of people can understand when they consume content, it feels a little off. And they're like, I don't think this has come from you type thing. Like, yeah, that's when you start questioning things. And that's when it's an active decision, you know, are you going to consume that content or not? And I think that's where it comes to it's all down to personal decision. It's all down to how someone chooses and it's a choice so chooses to navigate Mm -hmm. how they consume content how they create content how they sell content all that type of stuff because it's a personal choice at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and linguistics really are so important like the language we use like shapes you know how something is delivered it shapes the tone it shapes the the way in which someone then feels when you you speak to someone and I think it's just something I'm like so glad we're having this conversation because it's something I've spoken about at length with our co-founder Jay um around like 
origins of language and people being given praise where praise is due right in terms Mm -hmm. of like where that came from and the brilliance behind it like it's celebratory but we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that it may have come from a different culture Mm -hmm. to the one that you are in yeah no a hundred percent and I think as well as that when it comes to the lexicon and like I guess you could call it the mainstream lexicon it's mm-hmm. interesting when a word or a phrase that comes from a particular community or communities, so for example, for black communities, um, especially African-American communities, on fleek, right? Mm-hmm. Remember when that was doing the rounds, on fleek, oh my gosh, eyebrows on fleek, all that kind of stuff. Now everything that their sister, auntie, cousin, anyone was wearing or whatever it was, was on fleek. It was on t-shirts, it was everywhere, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And then this always happens with phrases, especially when it comes from black communities, is that it's super cool. People are so into it. They're really down with it. And then, dare I say, people out with the communities would say, okay, I think we're sick of this now. I don't want to use this anymore. They'll either change the narrative of the term or they'll completely discard the term. And now no one wants to use it. No one wants to use it anymore. But it's actually like, hold on, like this was just a girl that was a a black girl that was saying her eyebrows were on fleek. And she was like, that's that's what she wanted to be saying. But now it's like this thing of being like, oh, it's not cool anymore. Who decided it's not cool? <laughs> who was the decision maker of that and um, there's another term when I say about how the narrative changes with it is the word woke like that is doing the rounds in the media that has been doing the rounds in the media but truly woke came from a place where it's like just stay stay aware black communities stay aware you know like stay on top of what's going on it's really more so like almost a word of like safety awareness like just be on the pulse And now it's like painted as this agenda of all things anti whatever. And you're just, it's that thing where you're just kind of like, how did we get here? I mean, I know how we got here, but truly, how did we get here? And why did we get here? And that is what's really dangerous of like the decision makers of language when it hasn't even come from when the decision makers aren't even from the communities from. So it's mm. it's very frustrating, in my opinion, when language yeah. either gets changed in narrative or discarded completely from the lexicon. Mm-hmm. Now nobody can use it. And it's like, I actually don't think you can tell me what I can and can't use if it's come from my <laughs> community or people who are um, around Black communities. Yeah, and what I hear there as well is that there's, a sense and a feeling that when something is commercialized potentially I'm not saying it's the only point you made but mm-hmm. a very valid important point to note is that when something is commercialized it can risk being moved away from the true beauty and origin of where it came from and I think that's something that all brands should bear in mind people society should bear in mind almost to your point at the beginning of the pod around you know when money becomes involved or things are being sold where are those profits going is the original creator or owner of that wonderful phrase that so many people take pride and joy in Mm. really being celebrated in the way that they should or has the narrative now shifted because it was a commercial t-shirt run that sold out and now people have moved past it yeah yeah and if I'm very honest it is mostly commercial like that is Mm -hmm. it when money gets involved 
that's when things get real out of hand. So mm-hmm. I agree, it's commercial and the media that really just make it a bit of a jarring experience of language that gets co-opted and either changed mm-hmm. or thrown out. Yeah. But as we've discussed, there are things that everyone can do to try and sort of combat that and to put some positive spin back around this topic. Um, And now I want to digress just ever so slightly um, because we can all hear your wonderful accent, which I just love so much. Um, But London is a very diverse city. So we see people from all races, religions and from all walks of life. But you're in Scotland. And what are some of the differences that you've noticed between black culture and influences between London and Scotland? Because I know you split your time between the two yeah so I mean I think it's it's super interesting um as I mentioned near the start was like black people and black culture is not a monolith and we're all very different however we can have very similar experiences I think there's a phrase for me that really explained differences well and like all differences yet similarities when it comes to um the black communities in different locations and someone said this based on like America where it said there is no one way to be black in America but there is one way to experience being black in America and I think that's very true when it comes to western societies and Mm -hmm. I would say that other than the numbers of how many black people there are in different cities so for example there's more I would say there's more black people in London than there are in Glasgow which is where I'm based in Scotland but Mm -hmm. I do think that it isn't necessarily differences that I latch on to but more so that we connect on deeper things especially being part of the diaspora our upbringing you know the African kind of upbringing that I would have I would be able to like have similar experiences to someone who lived in London someone who lived in Europe like someone who lived anywhere um so yeah honestly I think it's a numbers game to me like I think it's just I would probably see more if I was down in London um then I would back home in Glasgow but yeah differences I don't know I don't I don't lean too much on that maybe accent I would say accent that's what the main difference (laughs) is but I really love the similarities that it has where I have like my friends in London I'm like yeah you could totally kick it with my friends in Glasgow Oh, I love that. I, I, it's actually, we're really digressing now, but one of my favourite things to do is invite my friends that are from different walks of my life and from different backgrounds to just like vibe with each other. Yes. Um, and I get such a kick out of like, you know, introducing two friends and I'm like, they have such different values maybe or different interests, but then they really get on and I'm like, I'm the glue that holds this together. I was about to say, you're like the common <laughs> denominator. If you can both get along with me, then I'm sure you can get along with each other. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, lastly, Mercy, for final words, what would your message be to those that are listening today around the topics that we've discussed? Yeah, I would say, honestly, shout out to all the Black people. Like, we're really doing it. We're having a good time. But honestly, truly, I think when it comes to identity, there is an element and people's journeys are different. Some take longer than others is that whatever identity you have, whatever you identify with, when it comes to race, gender, sexuality, whatever that is, just embrace it in whatever way it shows up. It's enough. Like, it is completely enough. And you don't need to be, you know, Black enough. You don't need to be queer enough. You don't need to be any of that enough. Just be your version of enough, because that is enough. And I think for 
general listening and everyone can take from this. And this is something I've just always told myself and tried to really practice is intent versus impact. And what I mean by that is that, for example, when we talk about language and the language that is used, is that you can have the purest intentions. You can have the purest intentions when you say something. However, how it's received on the other end, you don't have control over it. And that's the impact. And if someone was to say, actually, I'm not really comfortable with the phrase you used. I'm not really comfortable with how you said that. Instead of being defensive, just be like, oh, okay, my intentions were pure. I know that. However, let me deal with the impact and let me respond accordingly to the impact, whether that's an apology. Like, I don't think it should ever come off defensive and like given an explanation, but I meant blah, blah, blah. No, like just be (laughs) like, okay, I, I apologize. I hear what you're saying. And then it's on you to then, you know, do better and act accordingly next time to whoever that conversation with, especially if it's with that person again. So intent versus impact is like my through line formula, especially when it comes to communication, because I used to be a defensive girly back in the day. And I've really had to (laughs) tell myself like, the way things translate may not land how I intend it to. But what I can manage is how I have that conversation again with that same person or the next person. Yeah, I just love the energy you've brought today Um, in terms of your feedback on just being you are enough. I love that. And I also just think this um, intent and impact um, analogy or quote or your through line is so important and something that I'm going to now take with me. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks Um, for having me. You've been the best guest ever. I'm going to put it out there. Like this is one of my favorite pods and I haven't even listened to it back yet. Yes. Um, (laughs) We are here for it. Um, Thank you for listening to our 23rd episode of Imagine This. Oh my God, 23 is my favorite number. Sorry, I just had to say that. That's that's so great. The stars are aligning. (laughs) Why is it your favorite number? It's my favorite number because it's the date that my birthday is. So I'm the 23rd of April and my dad is the 23rd of October. And every other basketball player that's the number 23 is like my favorite as well. So 23 is just good. I think there's good vibes around it. There really is as well. I think it's like two years after 21 when maybe you're, you know, you're just seeking out into the world and then you've had like two years of experience and then you're 23. You're you're like a veteran in the game now. Like, you know what's going (laughs) on. You know how to handle yourself. I think, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Another layer to it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that with me as well. Um, So 23rd episode of Imagine This. Our mission at Imagine Inserts is to help Gen Z to shape their futures. And we know this is best done with brands as brands are shaping society and culture like our only government and other establishments kind of wish they could. Um, Please do like, subscribe, share, engage connect with us um mercy thank you so much for joining thank you so much for being the wonderful human you are and thanks for tuning in and we will expect you next time everyone thanks everyone